0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue
2: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. I'll be joined later in the show by Kyle McCarthy from MLSnet.com and Goal.com, and uh, later on Dave Ackman as well. Uh, better, much better week for the Revs this uh, this week than last week, of course. Uh, after the horrible week last week, the Revs came back with a two to one victory on Wednesday over DC United, uh, and then this Saturday drew one one against Toronto FC on the road. So uh, not not the greatest performance there for the Revs against Toronto. I uh, probably would would like to take three points away from the worst team in the Eastern Conference right now. But uh, then again, Toronto's a very good team at home uh, and only have one loss at home all season, so might have been expecting too much, especially with the busy schedule the Revs have coming up. And, of course, the Revs leaving today uh, from Toronto to Trinidad, so it doesn't get any easier for them. But uh, started out on Wednesday with a match against DC United. Um, early on in this one, Taylor Twelman scored a goal to give them the lead in the 24th minute. Um, pretty... Pretty lucky effort on Twelman's part, actually. It seemed like he didn't even really know the ball was coming to him. Cono Smith crossed in. Adam Christman did a great job to keep it away from the goalkeeper. And then it basically just deflected off of Twelman's leg and into the net. Um, so that was Twelman's third goal of the season. Then he scored again last night for his fourth goal of the season. So he's uh, getting on fire there, it seems like, for the Revs after missing out so long with it, with injuries. Uh, and then in this one on Wednesday night, Jeff Theronowitz added a second goal uh, just three minutes after halftime um, on an interesting shot there. Uh, Taylor Twellman laid the ball off to him at the top of the box, and the runner was just shot one that looked like it was going right down the middle. Uh, but DC United's new goalkeeper Lewis Creighton uh, dove one way, and then the ball curved at the last second the other way and he completely missed him, even though the ball was right down the center of the net where Creighton pretty much was in the first place if he hadn't moved at all. But uh, it was a great strike by the runner. It's a lot of movement on that one, um, similar a, a bit to the one Matt Reese led in uh, a, a little while ago uh, against Chicago. So. It was great to see the score one well that way. Um, but then the Rebs did give one back up, of course. Uh, never seemed to make it easy on themselves in the end of this game. Uh, Jaime Moreno scored an unassisted goal in the 69th minute. A great strike there. Uh, Fred got free in the box. Doug Warren, who was filling in for Matt Reese, uh, who also played in s- last night as well, um, got the start in this one. He made a great save on Fred, who was free in the box. and then the ball, But the ball fell back out to Jaime Moreno uh, and from the top of the box with Doug Warren out of position from coming to save Fred's shot. He chipped the ball uh, with a beautiful shot there into the back of the net. So that gave the Revs uh, that put DC back in the game with just a one-goal d- difference there. But the Revs were able to hold on uh, and pl- did pl- play pretty well defensively for the rest of that match to get the 2-1 win. Uh, also worth noting is that Michael Parker's made his return from the Olympics and played extremely well. Shari Joseph came back from suspension uh, was a big factor in this one as well. Uh, so it was a great victory for the Revs to come back in this one and. Uh, get this two-to-one victory. And we did get a chance to catch up with uh, Steve Nickel and um, Doug Warren and Taylor Traumann after the match, and we heard from Steve Nickel and his thoughts on the performance and on turning things around after a uh, pretty disappointing week prior to this one.
3: About uh, Doug Warren's performance, I know he didn't he wasn't
2: tested very often, but he, he stopped the shots that he had to stop.
3: Yeah, I thought he looked he looked confident. He had a couple of things he had to do, had to make decisions about, and and when he had to make decisions, he made the right one, which is half the battle. with goalkeepers, you know, it's it's great if they can make fantastic saves, but you know if they make good decisions on a regular basis, then that it, it makes it look a lot easier than it actually is. Can you
4: talk about Larenets and him being back with Shauri and and what that
3: was like, having him back in his comfort zone, and then the goal he was able to get. Yeah, I think the I think the first half we we thoroughly deserve to be ahead. You know, uh, I think we would have liked to have penetrated them a bit more. But I think, as far as playing in the game was concerned, we were we were in control. And I think we we were in control up until probably the 60th minute. And then we kind of lost our way a wee bit. And they put us under pressure. You know, we've we've lost a goal from from our own our own bad play. You know, we should have just stuck the stuck the ball up the other end of the field and, and cleared it. And we didn't. We tried to be we tried to be too clever in the wrong area. Lost the ball. Then Jaime Moreno scores a great goal. I mean, if that falls to anybody else, uh, it's not a goal. Um, it's a fantastic goal from him. And then, and then it's difficult after that. You know, you, all of a sudden there's one goal in it. You, you're kind of stuck between going forward too early and, and sitting back too far. And that's kind of what happened after that. After the after they score.
4: Decision to start Connell, Smith instead of Castro tonight.
3: Um, I think he's been you know the last t- two or three weeks two or three games he's he's been lively he's been enthusiastic you know the the one thing um, that we we tend to forget is you know players coming from from out with the usa don't understand the the whole travel part of the game uh, and Castro's just been kind of feeling his legs you know he's he's used to getting on a bus and going an hour and playing whatever team he's not used to time zones and fiver flights and Buses to stadiums, to get to the airport, and all kinds of stuff. So you know, Castro was feeling his legs a wee bit, but as I said, you know, Kenny Smith's been energetic and confident, and uh, that's why we played him. Yeah, kind of what we expected, kind of what we were hoping for. Um, You know, he's he's been saying he hasn't had a lot of sleep, um, but he's he's got experience behind him now, um, and the guy's got a fantastic soccer brain, and uh, no surprise that he. He came through.
4: Please, in seeing Chrisman and 12, and the fact that they're getting a lot of opportunities and, and taking a lot of
3: shots. Yeah, I mean Adams. You know, adam has been an absolute trooper. You know, he's he's made a huge contribution the last four or five weeks. And good strike, good strikers are always active anyway. The two of them are good strikers. They're both they're both good at holding the ball up, and they're both they can both score goals. So, long may it continue.
4: Steve, does tonight give you kind of a glimpse with Taylor back and? and as well, that what kind of firepower you guys could
1: have coming
3: down the stretch? We kind of don't really look at it that way. You know, we we have so many games at the present time that we're, we're kind of counting the suspensions and the bruises and the injuries as we go along. Uh, but clearly, when you're getting somebody back like Taylor Twelman, then it can only it can only add to your to your strength, particularly up front um, and and as a unit. So it's good to get them back. Uh, but as I say, we're we're kind of we don't look too far ahead at the present time.
2: Again, that was Revs head coach Steve Nichol on Wednesday night's 2-1 victory over DC United. Um, Talked a bit about Taylor Twelman and Adam Chrisman um, performing well together up top. Uh, that didn't last too long, though, as Chrisman w- was right back on the injured list uh, for Saturday's match. Um, Chrisman, along with Kenny Mansali and Kelly Dubé, uh, the Revs, you know, three strikers after Twelman there, the three top choices, all of them were out on Saturday night, all of them have had injuries throughout the year, as has Twelman, so it uh, seems like the Revs have some depth at four this year, at least it did at the beginning of the season, but uh, all these guys are getting injured now, and um, it's it, interesting to see that against Toronto, the Revs had to play Steve Rawson up front, uh, maybe more of a 4-5-1 actually, but um, so so short on fours, no fours on the bench, and only one four in the lineup against Toronto, uh, Twelman of course getting a goal in that, that game at the 35th minute uh, before Toronto came back and tied it in the second half, but we'll get to more on that game later. Um, again, Twelman was a goal, goal scorer um, for the first opening goal on Wednesday at Gillette Stadium against D.C., and we have his comments on what he saw on that goal um, and also on how excited he was to see Doug Warren, who he actually knew uh, growing up, get this win for the Revolution in his first start um, in several years for the Revs.
5: Yeah, it's awesome. You know, obviously, Doug and I, we, we've been friends since we were, you know, 16, 17, doing new teams together, and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Dougie, and... We're just blessed with two really good goalies, and uh, fortunately, I've been a part of Doug's both wins here, and they were both against DC, so uh, it's well
2: deserved for Doug. I played on the full 90 minutes
5: today. I felt all right. Uh, obviously, not 100%. I've been out for a while, but it's getting there.
2: Great play by Cono
4: and Adam Talk about the teamwork involved in
5: that play. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Cono made a great run, and Adam, you know, just was big and physical and made a good play, and. Uh, Fortunately, I was in the right spot at the right time.
4: Do you, guys, do you get a sense of how together this team can be offensively coming down the stretch of all the pieces start coming together?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if any team's going to tell you, you take it one game at a time, that's us. You know, and uh, we just got to end the season on the right note and keep getting better and getting results. And, Obviously, when the playoffs start, it's a whole new ball game, and we got to be on a roll.
4: What is it about rhythm and everybody getting on the same page? It's important to it this time.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, we're playing a lot more games this year, so uh, obviously, you know, Super League it was kind of a uh, mini playoff in the middle of the season. Then you have a lull afterwards, and we got to get back at it and uh, take care of business, you know, in MLS, and you know, make sure we go into the playoffs playing our best soccer.
2: And that was Revolution striker Taylor Twelman. Um, who scored the goal on Wednesday night against DC United? Uh, also, in that match, it was interesting to see uh, Doug Warren getting his first start. As you mentioned, uh, Warren, of course, actually hasn't played because Matt Reese has been the longest has the record for the longest uh, starts and goal streak uh, in MLS. So hard to be the backup on this Rebs team. But Warren showed very well in that game. Uh, as you heard Nickel earlier say, made some great decisions going in this one. Uh, it was also tough to come back because uh, just three days prior, or four days prior, against San Jose, he had to come in off the bench and let in three goals after Matt Reese got hurt. So it was great to see him caught in this one, get the win, uh, only give up one goal, and one that he really couldn't have done uh, anything to, to stop there um, after you know diving to save Fred's shot, which was actually blocked by uh, Jay Heaps, I believe, or, or possibly Chris Albright in that one. So that was great to see. Uh, Warren get the win, and then I was also another good performance by him uh, against Toronto on Saturday. We all, we did get the chance to catch up with Doug Warren uh, after Wednesday's night after Wednesday night's game and hear what he had to say about that match against DC.
4: After uh, last game, obviously it was a little bit of a tough uh, stretch for you coming in and having to replace Reese. But what was your mindset going into today's game after that after the San Jose
6: game? Um, well, I and t- to me that game was already gone. You couldn't get it back, so that's. A- difficult situation to come in at i was just focusing on this game this was uh my game from the start so the guys in front of me though played unbelievable Parky, heaps and chris and and just started defending six back there played unbelievable so which made it a lot easier on me big difference having parker and joseph in front of you for this game I mean, you can, The guys that stepped in there, Jeff, and those guys, they did a great job. We won Super League without him, without Parky. But again, Parky's the best defender in the league, so um, having him back there is is a big relief. Can
4: you talk about Moreno's goal? what did
6: what, you see? Or? Uh, I mean, the, the Fred ended up getting behind our defense, and I'd stepped up to block the shot. Uh, <clears throat> he ended up it, it, I think Jay slid and blocked it. He did a great job to block the shot. Just fell the Moreno, and I mean... It's, it's his class he, he really turned it on the last 25 minutes and you saw him take over the game and, and it was just a classy finish
0: can you talk about that moment um, in the '70something I minute? Mean, I think it was just you and Caranta, and you, and, uh, you smelled the ball. Uh,
6: yeah, I think he just kind of snuck in the the backside, he or he just kind of snuck on the back post, and I can't remember who played the ball over the top, but Albright was was breathing down his neck, so uh, made it hard for him to get a good shot and goal. So I just held my ground, and it actually came right at me
2: was getting off to a quick start, Patty getting that early goal.
6: Uh, I mean, it takes a lot of pressure off you. Um, you know, at, at home, to get the first goal is, is big. Uh, then they have to start coming after you. It was good to get the second goal as well. Uh, it took a, a, even more pressure off of us. But again, they they started. D.C. started to push, and and when you got you got guys like Jaime and and Emilio and, and Santino, interchanging, it's they can they can cause some problems. where from was it for you? From- your perspective to see how this year is for you, um, you know, out uh, for a home crowd. Yeah, it's always nice to play at home. Uh, So just getting in there and and having the home crowd behind you, especially in in my first game of the year, is is big just, just for confidence. Um, we have we have great fans, so it, it was it was big for me. You talk about confidence, obviously. Uh, how, how much more confidence do you get from a performance like this?
2: First team, first team win. Uh, it's it's an important victory for the team, one which they needed a lot. Uh, how much does that do for your confidence?
6: Uh, I mean, it, it just it, it just now I gotta focus on the next game. You know, it's, it's you can't get too high on your horse because uh, you know the next next game's important. Now this one's behind us, oh so. Uh, I'm just looking forward to, uh, again to just playing solid, hopefully, and, and not doing too much. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we'll go on the road and, and get a get a straight count.
2: Again, that was Revolution goalkeeper Doug Warren, who's usually the backup to Matt Reese, but Reese has been out the past couple of games with an injury. Um, was on the bench actually against Toronto, um, so good sign going forward and looking forward to Tuesday's matchup against Joe Public FC and Trinidad. Uh, Matt Reese, maybe maybe we'll get the start in that one. It'd certainly, it'd be great to have his experience out there um, for a hostile situation like that, going into a, you know another Concacaf nation, going down to Trinidad and playing that team. Even though the Revs should be the heavy favorites going into this match. Uh, one more comment on that DC game uh, is the crowd. It was great to see 15,000, nearly 15,000 fans at a Wednesday night game. I know the Revs gave away, I believe, something like 3,700 tickets to local charities. Uh, but it was great to see a uh, pretty full stadium. Well, not, not for Gillette Stadium, but a pretty full uh, in comparison to what we usually see in, um, on these Wednesday night games, seeing nearly 15,000 fans there. So it was a great atmosphere there. And also great that they got to see the Revs win. It seems like usually the Revs put on some of their worst performances in front of some of the bigger crowds. So uh, it was good for a change to see the Revs get a good win on the Wednesday night with a, a large crowd watching. And of course, going to Saturday night's game. Also, I should mention, though, that D.C. was without several players. Yvonne Guerrero on national team duty. Uh, Ben Olsen injured. Several other players injured as well. Um, Only only had enough to field a five-man bench, Um, and and that was literally because of all injuries and national team call-ups, not because of uh, choice or trying to save money on airfare or anything like that. That was actually because they had so many people out that they could only field a five-man bench. So, Revs certainly know about injury problems, but D.C., they caught D.C. at a time when they were had a lot of injuries to deal with as well. Uh, but going to Saturday's game, uh, the Revs came in against Toronto. As I mentioned, the Revs without Kenny Mansali, without Kelly Dubé, without Adam Crispin, and of course Arjenas Fernandez away on loan in Costa Rica, so he's unavailable as well. The Revs were very short on forwards. Uh, switched back to a four-man back line. A little interesting to see them make that decision after uh, how they used 3 5 to stop their their bad slide that they were on there uh, after going with a 4-4-2 and losing a couple games there in league play. Switched back to the 3-5-2, got that win. Uh, but back to the 4-4-2 the Revs were at in this game. I think that was probably more of necessity, though, because, as I mentioned, only one forward available there. Uh, put, put Steve Ralston up top, uh, Jeff Lorenzo, Charlie Joseph in the midfield again, and then Chris Tierney slotting in at left-back. Um, again, though, Cono Smith starting on the left instead of Mauricio Castro. Interesting to see that how, that, how long that lasts. Uh, Castro, it seemed to me, had been doing a great job. We know he talked about him last weekend, how some of his work was underappreciated. Uh, so interesting to see Kano Smith there. Especially when they go to Trinidad, it'll be interesting to see if the uh, Castro plays there instead of Kano Smith. So that, that was interesting to see. The Revs coming away with a 1-1 draw. Twelman scoring early. A great header off a Chris Tierney cross. So it looked like that move paid off playing Tierney at left back, putting an excellent cross from pretty pretty far out, actually. Twelman beat his defender, headed it to the far post, gave the Revs the lead in the 35th minute. Then in the second half, Toronto kind of took over for a little bit there, and Chad Barrett scored a goal uh, in the 66th minute um, uh, off a Rohan Ricketts pass uh, to put to tie the game at 1-1. So the the Revs then at, towards the end of the match had a few chances to win it. Steve Ralston had a great shot at the top of the box that forced a, a diving save from Greg Sutton, the Toronto FC goalkeeper. And then on the ensuing corner kick, Cono Smith got a shot off that was cleared off the line by Toronto FC. So the Revs certainly had some chances to win this one. But uh, overall, good first 60 minutes, and then Toronto kind of took over there on this game. So disappointing the Revs couldn't come away with a win, but a draw doesn't hurt them too bad as the Revs are still in first place in the standings. However, now they are tied with the Columbus crew for first. Uh, both teams at 37 points. And then right behind them, Chicago, at 35 points. Uh, all of these teams have played 21 games. And then DC United below that, uh, with 31 points, so pretty pretty close to the top, all those teams within two wins, the top four in the East, um, very interesting to see how that plays out, and New York actually today, with a 3-1 win over Houston, is also at 31 points, so it should be very, very exciting end of this Eastern Conference uh, as it goes down with how close these things, things are. Um, the other news this week is that the Rev signed Gabriel Badia, we talked a bit about this last week, didn't get too much chance to talk about him. He's a player with a lot of experience playing for Deportivo-Saprisa in Costa Rica. Played in the 2005 FIFA Club World Championship, uh, where his team finished third, and also played against uh, Liverpool FC. Um, that game, actually, deportivo it showed pretty well. They lost three to nothing, but had a fair share of the possession, had a lot of shots. The, the biggest difference was Liverpool's finishing in that one. So uh, not a bad team at all, and at that point... I believe he was only 21 years old. It's still, only 24. So, great, great acquisition for the Revs. Can play all across the back line, as we found out from Nickel uh, earlier in the week. So, it should be ve- very interesting to see where he slides into this Revolution lineup. If maybe who sits out in the back line if the Revs decide to go with a 4-4-2 permanently with him in there. That would be one possibility, certainly. Uh, or if he slides into the three-five-two, or maybe he just has used his depth and a replacement for Michael Parker, who so it seems likely we'll leave on in the offseason when his contract runs out. But overall, a good news week for the Revs uh, A win, a draw, uh, signing Gabriel Badia, an experienced player who has caps for the Costa Rica national team and is actually away with them right now, or was away with them this past week. So it should be interesting to see where he fits into this team. We are going to take a quick break here now, though, and then we'll be back with Kyle McCarthy, to hear his thoughts on the week that was for the Revolution and uh, also on where he thinks Gabriel Badia might fit into this Revolution team.
1: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream It's the history of the game in pictures and video World Cups and jerseys Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, now joined over the phone by Kyle McCarthy. Before we go on, though, I would like to mention that at any time during the show, you can send us emails at revolutionrecap at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments on uh, the Revolution news this week, we'd be glad to hear from you. Uh, but now we have Kyle McCarthy from MLSNet and Goal.com. Kyle, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I hear you, Sean.
2: Thanks a lot for joining us today. Anytime. So, uh, obviously, the Revs had a disappointing week. Uh, the week before this one. But this week, a little bit better getting a win against D.C. to come back and then a draw against Toronto. Uh, but the question is, can the Revs keep up, keep this up with this busy schedule they've had?
0: You know, who knows, Sean, really, at this point. I mean, it's going to just depend on the depth of the squad and the ability of the team to, to remain healthy. And, and really, right now, the health is the most pressing concern.
2: Yeah, it's certainly up top with uh, twalman really the only forward that's healthy. Yeah. Uh, worrying that uh, Kenny Mansali wasn't even on the bench against Toronto. It will be interesting to see when they go to Trinidad, uh, maybe they'll have to play another defensive formation, or maybe Steve Nichols was planning to do that anyways in a game like that. But certainly the depth at forward is the key question right now.
0: Yeah, I would say it's pretty much non-existent, um, considering the problems that uh, Adam Chrisman has had with his toes and Kenny Mansali with his ankle and Dubé with his groin. I mean, you can't. I think Paul Mariner is up next uh, if the Revs need a forward. Um, because I mean, there aren't a lot of options right now. Um, and I think you're right. I think he could see a, a more defensive formation similar to the to the four four one one that uh, the Revs played
2: last night. Are you surprised at all that the Revs didn't make any moves to recall Argenis Fernandez when that, with these injuries problems they had at forward, or is that something that uh, was related to the Bedia trade where they needed his roster spot?
0: Um, it could have been related to the roster spot, but I think it's more related to the fact that they just don't rate him very highly.
2: Yeah, it's certainly, certainly interesting that they paid uh, 200000 according to some reports. Of course, others say it was much less, but it'll be interesting to see if he does come back or if he's eventually sold uh, away to that team there, how that goes. But uh, what are your thoughts on Wednesday night's performance? The Revs, again, getting off to an early lead Uh, This time, getting a second goal in the second half and then holding on to beat D.C., but it seems like they can never make it easy on themselves in these games, always giving up a goal at some point in the second half to keep things interesting.
0: You know, and I think if you ask Steve Nichol about it, he'll probably tell you that it it all has to do with legs. I mean, it doesn't have to be pretty, it just has to be effective at this point in the season. You know... Holding leads is a lot about effort and a lot about having, the, you know, the extra legs in the last 20 minutes to kind of close down players and um, do the things defensively that you need to do. And, you know, the Revs this season have played a lot of games. They're on pace to probably play in the high 40s, low 50s. I mean, that that takes its toll when you're playing midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. And you, you kind of see that in the last 20 minutes of games or so. I mean... Yeah, it's a a little troubling in the sense that, you know, they always make it harder on themselves than it has to be, but in the same vein, I mean, they're also getting three points, and it's really difficult to quibble with that, especially with the the fixtures as they pile up this season.
2: Yeah, it's certainly true. Are you surprised at all, though, that the uh, Revs in these games where they've obviously been fatigued, Certainly against Toronto, the Revs not using Steve Nickel not using any substitutions in that one, and then against D C not using any subs until the eighty fourth minute. And they do have some depth in the midfield here with guys like Tierney and uh, Thompson and Castor of course and even on the bench for these games. You surprised that not to see to see Nickel not use the subs any earlier with the fatigue this team has? Well, I
0: think part of the problem is is because if you use the substitutes in these games, like I mean it's a knock-on effect. If you want to get Castro a week's worth of a break, you can't be sending them on for the last twenty minutes of the game, um, you know. And if you want to want to have a, a fresher squad and, and rotate through for this game on Tuesday, uh, you need to keep some of those guys out of the lineup. Whether that's the case, I don't know. Um, but at some point, there's going to have to be some rotation involved.
2: Yes, yeah, certainly. It'll be very interesting to see. Uh... If Castro gets to start over Connell Smith again on Tuesday, and who else uh, maybe is in the lineup, uh, certainly Niasse getting the suspension against uh, D.C. with for yellow card accumulation then missing out the Toronto match, I would think he would play on that one. Uh, but the, the key guy here is Matt Reese, who's been out for these past two games, uh, but was on the bench against Toronto. Do you think he's closer, uh, c- pretty close to coming back and likely to play on Tuesday?
0: I know he wants to play, and I think he's wanted to play since missing out on the – the United game on Wednesday. Um, From my own personal point of view, I don't see any reason to rush him back for this Tuesday game. and You might as well give him the break. Um, But, then again, if they're willing to bring him, um, to me, bringing him says he's going to play on Tuesday night. That's just a guess on my part. But um, if you're going to bother to bring him from Toronto to Trinidad, then uh, my guess is that he plays on Tuesday night.
2: Yes, certainly very... That's a good sign that they're probably going to play them. But uh, you talk about this this game against Joe Public. It's obviously one that the Revs are, are favored to win. Uh, but anytime you're traveling away in t- into a CONCACAF opposition, it's going to be a hard game uh, going down to Trinidad and playing this team, especially with the short rest having come right from Toronto. Uh, I don't believe the Revs actually have ever won a meaningful game uh, outside the U.S. Um, with the exception of that one game of Bermuda. And uh, the Champions Cup a few years ago. Do you think this is the time for the Revs to do it? Is this Joe Public team that bad? Obviously, neither of us know that much about him.
0: Well, you know, it's it's a bit of necessity on their part. I mean, you just can't you can't take every game seriously. You saw that with the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, that being said, they do want to get to the group stages. Um, and you know, Joe Public isn't a particularly strong team. I mean, you look down the roster, and you're going to see some names that are familiar. Um, some Trinidad national teamers, some guys who had cups of coffee in MLS, like Gary Glasgow, um, Keno Thomas, guys who have played in MLS and have some semblance of the idea of of what it takes. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a game that you're just not going to know until you get there. And I think that if the Revs come back from Trinidad with a draw, they've done more than enough, and they should be able to take out Joe Public at home.
2: Yeah, uh, do you think though is hoping to go into this match uh, with the busy schedule and you know come away with maybe a, uh, a large victory where he can even rest a lot of guys? Uh, obviously, the ideal situation where he can rest some guys after you know going on the tough game against LA uh, on Saturday.
0: Well, how tough that game against LA is is a, another story entirely. But I mean, of course, he'd like to you know rack up a four or five goal win and um, and be able to rest some guys, but. At the same time, you can't really expect that in international competition. Trinidad did win the Trinidad League. I mean, it's a decent team, and for a Caribbean team, they've got a lot of resources. They're backed by, I think, it's Jack Warner's brother. I mean, this is not a—they're not a bunch of slouches. I mean, this is a team that can play a little bit. Um, so, I mean, to go in and expect to win by four or five goals just isn't—it's not something that the team can reasonably expect to do. So I think they're they're probably planning to make sure that they do, you know, try and take care of business, get the draw, maybe get a one or two goal win, and bring it back. But I mean, to plan around being able to rest the guys, just it's not possible at this point.
2: Yeah, that does bring up another question though. Should the Revs get past this preliminary stages? They've already had a very busy schedule coming up with lots of uh, with a couple of midweek league games actually. Uh, do you think it's realistic at all for this team to, you know, go for both the supporter shield and the Champions League? Uh, I would, I would
0: somewhat doubt it, um, but you know, strange things happened and I mean, it's not like the Eastern Conference is going to have one team that's just going to run away with it. I mean, you've got New England, who is probably the best team in the Eastern Conference, and then you've got Columbus and Chicago and DC if they get healthy, and New York. Who is apparently a decent team, um, you know? I, I mean, no one's going to just run away with it and um, pick up a big lead. So, I mean, if the revs drop points here and there, you know, it's okay. The one thing the revs have in favor of them, and that is that their road form is considerably better than the teams around them. Um, they do well at going on the road and getting results. So, you know, that I mean, that's one thing to expect. Now, that being said. With the extra fixtures, does that take a toll? There's a decent chance that it does.
2: Now, the other question is, obviously, you're talking about depth. Now they got Gabriel Badia coming in, a guy who can play anywhere across the back line, uh, according to Nickel. Where do you think he fits in? Is he a guy that's going to step right into the starting lineup, or what are your thoughts on him?
0: Oh, I think he's going to play, and I think he's going to play a lot. Um, you know, I think you're going to have four starting defenders for three spots, and... Um, if Badia is anything like what he's expected to be, I mean, you can obviously see a rotation going on there. Badia can certainly play in the middle of a three-man back line um, to take the Parkhurst role if Parkhurst needs a break. And um, But when everybody's healthy, I'm assuming that it's going to be between Badia and heaps um, for that left back in a, in a three-man um, back line. And... Um, That'll be an interesting battle to see how that develops. But, I mean, between the four defenders, there there's going to be plenty of time to get on the field.
2: Yeah, and what are your thoughts on, uh, or have you heard anything I should say, on when he might be available for this team?
0: I was told, and
2: I wrote last
0: week, um, that he was. they were hoping to have him back after the Joe Public game on Tuesday. I don't know if that's going to happen. They might... Um, not be able to get him in until the Joe Public game the next Tuesday. Um, you know, it's, it's all going to depend. And, you know, with these visa issues, it's just it's really a wait and see kind of process.
2: And then the other game, of course, coming up, the, the big game against Los Angeles, uh, which should be a great crowd there. Uh, not sure what to expect out of LA now with Bruce Arena as the coach. Do you think that might be kind of a trap game, looking at L.A. and how bad they've been this year, but then at the same time, Arena, an experienced coach in MLS, maybe hasn't had the success lately uh, when he was with the Red Bulls, but at the same time, a guy who, who's proven he knows how to win in the league?
0: Well, I, I don't think it's a trap game. I don't think you can ever look past Los Angeles, just simply because of the hype that surrounds a, a Beckham visit. And, uh, you know, I think that Arena will get his team organized, and that was that was the thing that was missing, defensive organization. Um, in, in Los Angeles is the, is the key thing. and um, You know, I don't think the Reds will look past it. Uh, quite frankly, they don't play uh, in front of big crowds that often, so I'm pretty sure that they'll get you guys up to see a full lower bowl um, for that game. So, you know, I, I, I don't see them overlooking Los Angeles. I think they realize how important the game is, and uh, they'll, they'll show up.
2: Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, as we've said, the very, very busy schedule going forward. Uh, but two teams right right behind the Revs now, Columbus tied on points and Chicago um, just two points back. Which of those two teams do you look at as the bigger threat to the Revs? I
0: think Columbus might be a more threatening team in the regular season. I certainly think that Chicago is more threatening in the postseason uh, just because of the quality they have in the attacking third with uh, Blanco and Rolfe and McBride. I mean, you have to look at Chicago as a legitimate MLS Cup contender at this point. Um, Columbus, I'm a little less sure on, but I, I know that a Siggy Schmidt team is going to be able to grind out results during the regular season. Um, I don't see them falling apart. I don't see them magically falling off the pace. I think that um, both of those teams are definite playoff teams in the East right now.
2: It's also got to be a little worrying that the Revs haven't been able to solve Chicago uh, three times this year. Um, even two games at home, that haven't gotten a victory. Lost all three, and two two pretty big losses, 4-0, and and 3-0 there, Uh, and then, of course, the 2-1 loss recently, where uh, red cards certainly played a role.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you can look at those those results and wonder a little bit, but, I mean, it's a whole different animal between, you know, regular season form and the playoffs, and, I mean, as you know, in MLS, it's just not, I mean, they're not correlated, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think that, Obviously, Chicago presents some matchup problems for the Revolution. And, uh, but you have to expect that Steve Nichol and Paul Mariner will, will go back to the drawing board and try and figure something out to kind of deal with it. I mean, there's also the question of how does Chicago's style of play change with a Brian McBride in the lineup. I mean, you have to feed McBride the ball a little bit more than you did Chad Barrett.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, too. Obviously, very experienced guy. Uh, just came back from the Olympics for Chicago. Uh, how he factors in will be interesting. Uh, also, Chad Barrett gone from Chicago. Maybe good thing for the Revs because he's had some several goals against the Revs over the years, and then ha- had one against the Revs, of course, on Saturday for Toronto. So uh, that was an interesting move by Chicago. Gave up a lot to get McBride, so a, a lot riding on his performance.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, for Chicago, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you've got Chad Barrett and you've got Brian McBride, and your choices are one or the other, it's going to be Brian McBride, even if Brian McBride's only around for a year or two. I mean. Brian McBride's an experienced player. I mean, he was playing top-level football in the Premier League last year, and they wanted to keep him. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy um, with loads of experience who's not going to be away on international duty. And he's the kind of guy who you can look to when the game's difficult, and he's the guy who can pull you up by the bootstraps and get things done. Um, I mean, Jared Barrett is a, is a nice player. He's not a player that I rate particularly highly, but there are players... That I don't rate highly. That do good things in this league, and and Barrett is, has scored some goals this year. But I mean, you can't really compare Chad Barrett to Brian McBride.
2: No, I, I certainly agree with you. Chad Barrett over the years has missed a lot of easy goals, uh, and the goals he has scored haven't been spectacular for the most part. Uh, but again, he's got seven goals this season. Chicago also gave up some draft picks, I believe, some allocation money as well. I'll uh, give up a lot. Um, so certainly, this is a move for the now, to, to really go for the title now. So that's why I think it's going to be important that McBride delivers this season because you don't know, uh, obviously, how many more he has left in him at 36. Uh, but I know you do a weekly wrap-up looking at, across the league at what's going on every Monday for Goal.com. What have you seen from this Western Conference? Uh, Houston, obviously, still a contender, but are any of their other teams there that the Revs should be worried about?
0: Not really, no. Uh, the Western Conference is, is bad. Um, it's, it's thoroughly mediocre. Um, there are just a lot of teams that just don't really have it together. I mean, you go past Houston and you've got Salt Lake, who is probably the second best team in the Western Conference. Not a bad side by any means, but they're they're mediocre. Um, They're they're not a team that you're going to be worried about facing an MLS Cup. I mean, the fact that Real Salt Lake is is in the discussion is just a a showing of how poorly the Western Conference has done.
2: And they're a team that can't win on the road either. <laughs>
0: oh, no, they can't win on the road, and they're but their home form's great. And you know, this is a team. We also likes a team that's a year away, um, but they've managed to get it done in the Western Conference this year. Uh, FC Dallas is what third on that list, and and they're not very good either. Um, their midfield is just a, a disaster uh, from my point of view. Um, but Kenny Cooper's goals have really carried them, and. They've gotten some timely defending, and Dario Salo's been pretty decent uh, in the sticks for them. But, you know, I mean, there's just not a whole lot to look at in the Western Conference. Probably the second-best team, talent-wise, in the Western Conference is Colorado, and they're just a complete and total disaster at this point. Um, you know, Los Angeles isn't very good. Uh, Chivas has just been decimated by injuries. Um, and that that's a team that just can't get healthy and. You know, if you can't get healthy in this league, you're just you're done. Um, but, I mean, if you're the Revs, you're looking at Houston. You're looking to see if Chivas can get healthy. Um, and you're looking to see if Colorado sneaks into the playoffs.
2: Well, then there's the question of San Jose, too, who brought in a couple of great players and are on a pretty good run right now. And uh, only two points back from, from fourth place in the West, uh, they might sneak up, too. And I don't know if the Revs would want to face them. And a cup final, if it came down to that.
0: I cannot see San Jose getting to the cup final this year. I I can see them sneaking into the playoffs. Um, It's a good team. It's a rebuilt team. Darren Huckerby's been fantastic. Francisco Lima's been fantastic for them. Um, And they're obviously going to be solid defensively with Frank Yallop at the helm. So, I mean, they've done some good things. Um, I I still think they're a couple of players away, especially at the back. Um, I think they need another guy or two. you know, I think they could use a little bit better um, play from the right flank. But, you know, I mean, that's a team that could sneak into the playoffs. But I think in terms of MLS Cup threats, you've got Houston, and then you've got, you know, not a whole lot else.
2: Well, we, we do have to get to our next commercial break. But before we do, could you tell us uh, again about what you do for uh, Goal.com uh, and where else we can find your writing?
0: Well, it's more of a question of where you can't find my revenue at the point. <laughs> the, uh, but of course, I get the, the Monday column on uh, Gold.com. I write a blog during the week. I try and update it every uh, couple of days for Gold.com. Obviously, MLSNet. I do most of the game coverage there. Um, you can also see my work in the Boston Herald now and then, uh, depending on their needs. So um, feel free to check it out.
2: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today and keep up the great work. Thanks, John. Have a good one. Again, that was Kyle McCarthy, who writes for Goal.com, MLSNut.com, among several other newspapers that he uh, contributes to, uh, in particular the Boston Herald. We are going to take another quick break here now, and then we'll be back uh, to talk a little bit with Dave Ackman uh, about his thoughts on this past week and also the U.S. national team uh, starting off in the group stages of qualifying, first round of the group stages. Uh, and getting a one nothing victory uh, in Guatemala, interesting result there. And the U.S. women's national team deserves some credit too for deserves a lot of credit for getting the gold medal uh, in this year's Olympics. So we are going to take a quick break, and I'll be back with Dave Ackman. <laughs>
1: National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue and now joined over the phone by Dave Ackman. Uh, for his 20th appearance on Revolution Recap, Dave, how are you doing today? Not
4: too bad. How are you tonight,
2: Sean? Great. And, uh, obviously a better week for the Rebs than uh, last time we were on here uh, after what was a disappointing week. But uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on this Revolution team coming away with a 1-1 draw in Toronto? Obviously they're a, they're a good home team, but uh, wouldn't we like to see the Rebs, see the Rebs go, go, go away for, for, with these games with the three points?
4: I, I think you'd love to see that, but, I mean, I think in this case, they might have even been lucky to get away with the point. I mean, their defense was kind of a little bit shaky, so, I mean, you'd like to see a better performance, but at that point, I think you'd love taking a one point away from that game.
2: Yeah, and, and obviously they're arresting, uh, well, we don't even know what Nichols' plans are for the game against Joe Public FC, but uh, Matt Reese unavailable, uh, oh, oh, a lot of forwards unavailable, Mansali, Dubé, as well as chrisman so not not a full squad available to the revs there um, playing a conservative lineup with the 4-4-2 but do you think this revs team ultimately is going to stick with this 3-5-2 formation when everyone's healthy or is this 4-4-2 something that uh, you think we might see more of because it seems to me that the revs play their best in a 3-5-2 uh, i
4: think as soon as they get everyone healthy you'll go back to a 3-5-2 but i mean right now you've got you know, you've got no forwards, so you have people, you know, sort of having to cover for everyone in the midfield. You have, you know, Parker's just getting back, so you're sort of weak in the back. So, you know, and Hilgenbrink being also takes away a little backup at left back. So I think you're sort of stuck playing a 3-5-2, even then I think it proves that they've played better in that formation too.
2: And you've got a different perspective, obviously, from sitting right down there next to the field at these games. What are your thoughts on when the team does do this four-four-two? Uh, left back. It seemed to me like Igwe was playing. Michi Igwe was playing very good as a left back for the Revs. Uh, obviously disappointing as play at center back, where uh, almost gave away a game there. The way he was playing in the Super League final. But uh, do you think Chris Tierney is really a better option at left back than Michi Igwe? From what you've seen?
4: No, I don't. I think you know. I mean, Tierney comes in and he plays good depth, but I think that's what he is. He's more of a depth player. I think his cross this week was, you know, it was a great cross. But I think you know overall, Michi gives you a little bit better. In different parts of the game, I think he's a little bit faster, he's a little bit more athletic, and he, and he does defend well, and maybe in the center he's not you know, not quite as comfortable, but I think at left back, he's very nice.
2: And then also on the left side, we have the Cono Smith and Castro competition now, where Smith has started the past two games. Uh, Nichols said Castro was a little bit fatigued, but I, I thought that would mean maybe that he was going to be playing against Toronto. Maybe you decided to give him two games off and play him against uh, Joe public FC but uh, what are your thoughts on that battle there from what you've seen uh, seems to me like Castro not not the not amazing stats or anything from the left wing but uh, does a lot of stuff that goes unnoticed and really is great at helping the revs keep possession uh, a completely different player than Smith but who, who do you think helps the revs better on that left wing
4: uh, I think it's really a matchup kind of a thing I think Cano, you know he brings you that speed and that pass uh, that you know that kick and run ability and against teams with you know a little bit slower of a defense, I think he's the better option. But I think, you know, when you're facing a good, solid defense that, you know, can cover the wings like that, I think, you know, uh, Castro gives you a little bit better ball handling, a little better decision-making, and a little bit better final ball. So, yeah. I, I mean, I think it all depends on who you're playing and and how they're playing at the time.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, too. And I don't think we've seen too much from Steve Nickel with uh, trading out players for, for mashups there. But at the same time, uh, the, the switch to having Connell Smith play... Uh, was when they were going up against D.C., who in Fred has a very fast player on the right wing. Um, so that might have played into it as well. Be, but it will be interesting to see against uh, this team from Trinidad uh, how the Revs play. And what are your thoughts on this game? Obviously the Revs highly favored, but you can't go in too confident to a, a, a away game like this in Trinidad. You never know what the field conditions are going to be like or, or, or how, how the atmosphere is going to be.
4: No, definitely. I think mean, I think anytime you're playing your third game in a week also and you're tra- travelling to three different countries and you know, you're gonna have all these passport checks and all the other you know things along with international travel, I think, you know, by the end of this week you're gonna be a little fatigued. And so maybe Castro, you know, resting two games will help for that kind of a situation. I think you know like anything happens. I don't think anyone would have predicted that the Reds would have, you know, swept the Super League or like they did. So I think it shows you anytime you're staying at home you've got a great advantage against any team.
2: And then the other news is the signing of Gabriel Badia. Uh I can't say I've seen him play myself, but it has a certainly has a good resume there for some of the teams that he's played against. And uh, Saprissa is certainly a, a good team to be playing for, um, as we've seen when they've uh, in international competitions how they've done. Uh, do you think this is the guy that Nichols bring in to, to slot into the right into the back line as a starter, or is he going to be more of a depth player?
4: Uh, my guess is he'll probably slot in, if not this season right away as a starter. than... You know, if Parkhurst eventually leaves this off season, I think he'll slot in right where Parkhurst was playing. But I think with him coming in, you know, the four four two does become another option, especially with all the defenders they'll have at that point. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's never easy to bring a guy in mid season and have him perform at a high level. I mean, it happens in there once in a while, but usually when they're coming to a new system, a new country, it will take them a half a season, a season to get fully comfortable.
2: And then the, the league-wide news here is the Galaxy guy was coming to play the Rebs. Now, with the coaching change, Bruce Arena taking over, I know we've talked a lot about the Galaxy in the past and uh, some of their coaching changes. Uh, neither of us were, were, uh, were uh, both of us, I should say, were shocked to see Siggy uh, Schmidt fired while the, the Galaxy were in first place. And since then, the team has really not, not had a good season uh, yet after that firing. Uh, do you think Bruce Arena was a good choice for uh, this Galaxy team?
4: Uh, I I don't think so, honestly. I mean, Bruce brings a lot of things to the table, and he does, you know, work well with superstars. But, I mean, I think it showed, I know when he was in New York, it sort of had a, you know, struggle also there. So, I'm not sure if he's the right man. I think you need to get someone that can sort of, you know, bring them back. I thought, you know, no one really considers Shiggy Smith, you know, a, a great, you know, manipulator of the lineup. I think you just need someone that's strong on the tactics and is good at, uh handling all the different egos, so maybe Arena will work out, but I, I wouldn't be all that confident that he'll be the answer
2: this year. Yeah, and, and their team that it seems like gives a coach six months to turn things around, doesn't work out, uh, gets rid of them immediately. Uh, obviously the contrast to that is a team like Colorado, which has had uh, Fernando Clavillo for, I believe, three or four seasons now and hasn't delivered any success yet. Uh, but Do you think this is a Galaxy team that, you know, obviously with all these players, not even giving guys a chance to really form this team under them, uh, making a mistake getting rid of coaches so quickly?
4: Uh, I don't think so. I think any time you have a team that's, you know, trying to come together in half a season, you need a coaching consistency to, you know, bring everyone together. If everyone's trying to learn a new system every few months, it's not going to be easy for anyone. So I don't know what they're expecting at that point.
2: And then the other question uh, for you, obviously, as someone who sits down on the field, it uh, seems like the Reds have had some great crowds recently. Of course, the Super League of Final, uh, small crowd, uh, but seemed like a great atmosphere. And then the Chicago game, a pretty sizable crowd there, um, I believe nearly 20,000. And then this Wednesday night game against DC, uh, just about 15,000. Uh, from the field, what have you seen? Does it seem like a, uh, some of the best atmospheres this team has had this year, really, just from these past couple weeks?
4: Uh, Yeah, I think so, actually. It's actually been very, you know, and I think it's got to show in the play the players. You know, I mean, I think everyone's sort of been excited playing. You see all the, you know, the players after the game, they're always celebrating with the fans. They're all running over. And I think they really appreciate how everyone's come out. And I think, you know, it does boost the level of play a little bit when it happens.
2: And then the other news outside of the league here is the U.S. national team starting, uh, qualifying again with the first-round group stages here. Uh, going to Guatemala, coming away with a one nothing victory there um, on a Carlos Bocanegra header there, uh, a Carlos Bocanegra header off a corner kick. So it was great to see them get off to a victory in Guatemala. Some lot of violent play, uh, red card issued to both teams. Um, Carlos Arriez probably should have had two or three red cards for what he did in that one. Uh, but how how important was it for that U.S. team to come away with a uh, opening victory in this group stage?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, especially facing a team like Honduras, I think you can't underestimate how good of a win that was. Uh, especially, you know, you go, you know you're you you sort of, everyone's starting their preseason training, so no one's exactly in peak performance. So to get points at this time when everyone's, you know, sort of getting cobbled together is a great, great achievement for them.
2: Yeah, especially on the road. It's never been easy for the U.S. to get wins uh, away in CONCACAF, certainly. Um, usually playing for the draw, so it was great to see them get that, especially when they got a red card, um, and then, of course, uh, Guatemala getting one later as well. Um, but, uh, again, Tim, Ho- Tim Howard getting the, getting the start there, um, third straight shutout in the World Cup qualifying for him. How easy do you think it's going to be for this U.S. team to qualify from CONCACAF? They finished first um, in the last World Cup qualifying um, going into the World Cup. Do you think they're going to have as easy a time this year?
4: I think so. I think they'll have no problem qualifying this year anything can happen, a couple bad injuries and you know everything changes, but if everything goes according to plan, I think they should you know, make it with
2: relative ease. Well, thanks a lot, Dave, for joining us today. We've got to wrap things up here. Um, again, uh, thanks for listening today. Uh, you can get the archives at revolutionrecap.com. I did want to talk a little bit more about that national team game there. Uh, i, I got to say, I was shocked that Carlos Ruiz wasn't ejected from it with what was happening uh, there. Not only the elbow in the third minute, that could have been a red card, but then uh, stepping on Tim Howard's face, or kicking Tim Howard's face. I uh, don't recall 100% what happened there, but seemed like another clear red card there. Um, we will be back again next week live right here on WNRI AM 1380. Again, you can send us your comments and questions to RevolutionRecap at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening today.